This is Dave, and I'm here with Ethan, and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 183-inch. On this episode, we conclude our three-part interview with the one, the only, the suave and chic, John Bermuda Schwartz. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. It's a podcast about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. Dave and Ethan's you don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Happy American New Year! How are you doing, Ethan? How was your New Year? Oh, hey, Dave. Happy American New Year to you! I had a great time. Really? What did you do? Well, Kate and I, we drove three hours to Connecticut on New Year's Eve, and we got to see a pretty stinking majestic concert featuring They Might Be Giants with Jonathan Colton opening the show, two of my favorite non-Weird Al musicians. Very cool. <laughs> oh, it was so much fun. They all sang Auld Lang Syne at New Year's right on the dot. There was this confetti and, and balloons and there were party hats. Oh, it was so much fun. Wow, that sounds like a blast. So was it just the two of you in the audience, or were there other people there too? Oh, Dave, it was totally packed, and we even had a few friends we knew who would be there, including Johnny O'Hearn and Heather Spunky Siren. They were both there. Our friend Lucas Vogler, who we met back on the Strings Attached Tour in Philly, he was also there with his dad. Oh, very cool. What a cool night. And I have to imagine, the best part must have been that, since this was on the East Coast and I wasn't there, you were the only person in attendance that appears in We're the Al Yankovic Story and were special thanked in the credits. Well, not quite, actually. Wait, what? How is that possible? So this is pretty crazy, Dave, but in the giant crowd, endless crowd of people... I spotted none other than Eric Appel's brother, Brad, and his girlfriend, Sam. No way! <laughs> I remember meeting and chatting with them at the New York City premiere of Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Brad was both a visible background actor and was special thanked in the credits. What are the odds? Well, it turns out that both Brad and Eric are huge They Might Be Giants fans, which isn't too much of a stretch for uh, you know Weird Al fans to be fans of them. And I uh, was talking to Eric, and he said that he took Brad to see They Might Be Giants when he was only six years old. Wait a minute. You're telling me Eric was six years old, and he took his younger brother all by himself to a concert? Uh, I think Brad was the one who was six. Ah, uh, okay. That makes much more sense. Well, so Dave, how was your new year? It was busy. Busy? Ugh, I don't believe that for four days, 13 hours, 44 minutes, and 41 seconds. Oh, it was quite busy. Our intern Frank told me that if you listen to everything that Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast released in 2022, including all of our full-length inch episodes, our ridiculously self-indulgent bonus episodes, and breaking headline news alerts, it would take you exactly four days, 13 hours, 44 minutes, and 41 seconds. Wow! Wait, you listened to everything we released in 2022 on New Year's? Well, yeah, duh. Like, I'm going to take intern Frank's word for it. Wow, you must have an awful lot of free time on your hands. And you know what else intern Frank told me? He said if you listen to everything Dave and Ethan's 2008 Weird Al podcast released ever, it would take you 12 days, 7 hours, 36 minutes, and 9 seconds. 
Oh, don't tell me. You're listening to everything we have released since 2019. Of course not. That would be stupid. I made intern Frank do it. And now it's time for what's happening in Weird Al related news. Last episode, we reported that the radio station WKZG 104.3 FM, Seymour, Green Bay, Wisconsin, rebranded themselves as Weird Al Radio and switched to playing entirely Weird Al music 24 hours a day. As we suspected, the move was temporary as yesterday at 4 p.m. Burrito Burrito time, the station officially switched to an alternative rock station with the new call sign WFZZ. Weird Al Radio, however, went out with quite a bang, playing four of Weird Al's polkas in a row, culminating appropriately enough with The Alternative Polka, followed finally by Bite Me. Well, hopefully you had the opportunity to tune in before it ended, as we're not aware of any other way you could possibly listen to Weird Al's music. Oh, absolutely. There's truly no more convenient way to listen to Weird Al music other than hoping it gets played on terrestrial radio. Well, Weird Al Radio was the brainchild of music director Eddie Ybarra, and Eddie was nice enough to send us all 22 custom promos, bumpers, and IDs recorded for the channel. To celebrate, we thought we'd play a few of our favorites, so let's hear them, intern Frank. Weird Al Radio. This is Weird Al Radio. Isn't it great? Isn't it wacky? 104.3 Weird Al Radio. This is your best Christmas gift. 104.3 Weird Al Radio. The suits told us no. We told them to eat it. 104.3 Weird Al Radio. Those are so great. Thanks again, Eddie, for creating Weird Al Radio and sending those along. The New York Times wrote a piece called 71 of Our Favorite Facts of 2022, compiled by Times Insider editors pulling out what they feel are the most interesting facts to appear in New York Times articles. Number 61 was the pop music parodist Weird Al Yankovic acquired his first accordion from a traveling salesman and recorded his first hit in a public bathroom. This fact came from the New York Times review of Weird the Al Yankovic Story, and while they may have learned this in 2022, we think it's something our listeners probably have known since at least 2021. And would you believe it, we are still finding Weird the Al Yankovic Story articles in print. Yes, Total Film Magazine features an interview with Daniel Radcliffe in issue 330, and issue 331 has a four-star review of Weird the Al Yankovic Story. And the November 2nd, 2022 issue of Variety Magazine dedicates the whole last page to a piece on Weird Al. Thanks to everyone who's been keeping an eye out for Weird Al mentions in the wild. Keep those sightings coming. This episode is brought to you in part by Vegan Burrito Restaurant, Burrito Burrito in Troy, New York, home of the two-pound double-wrapped-in-a-quesadilla Burrito Burrito and Wizard Burger in Albany, New York. Come on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito Burrito, your Burrito Burrito, or hop on over to Wizard Burger for mouth-watering, loaded, dare I say beefy, vegan burgers. From Troy to Albany to Uranus, Burrito Burrito and Wizard Burger feed the hungry with out-of-this-world, plant-based, real food, always vegan style. Visit BritoSquared.com and WizardBurger.com to order ahead. And now it's time for what's happening in Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West-related news. 
Remember last episode when we reminded you to subscribe to Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West's email newsletter for all of his up-to-date information? And like 2,700 times before in the past? Well, those who heeded our advice or were already subscribed were treated to a little tease of some information that has yet to be officially announced regarding Weird Al shows in 2023. Once the information is officially announced, we'll be sure to tell you all about it. And in case you haven't stopped by Patreon.com slash 2000inch in a while, our Patreon family was recently treated to a plethora of brand new, ridiculously self-indulgent bonus episodes. And that's not the only treat we have for our Patreon family. Episodes from our brand new weird bonus series will be dropping there first fairly soon. And for all you good-for-nothing cheapskates, I mean good-for-something frugal fans, you know who you are. Don't worry, you'll hear these episodes eventually. But until then, you'll just have to keep on waiting patiently. Or you can sign up over at patreon.com slash 2000inch because not only will you get immediate early access to these episodes, you'll also be supporting the podcast. It's a win-win. Okay, now we pride ourselves on keeping Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast spoiler-free whenever possible. However, we do want to warn you that we do talk a bit about the unfortunate return of the ridiculously self-indulgent, ill-advised vanity tour in this coming interview. Because that tour is technically still going on with the makeup dates and the European dates and the Australian dates and the new Australian dates. And uh, some of what we talk about could be considered a spoiler to like one person. So if that's you, just consider this your spoiler warning. And now let's resume our interview with John Bermuda Schwartz, already in progress. So amazingly, at all the shows that Dave and I went to, the only time where... Any of us, it was just me. I saw Miles sitting in for Steve for a couple shows. So we didn't see Nick or we didn't see Jim backstage or Ruben not there. And what really surprised me the most was how Miles did absolutely everything in the Yoda chant. Was Nick doing the stuff in the Yoda chant? How do you teach someone that? You you don't. I don't think he was. I mean, I actually, he has a chart for it, uh, but I don't think he was, that's, you, you wouldn't expect him to do that. Nothing that I do in the chant is 100% essential. Like, I don't have any any real solo parts in the chant that if they're not there, it's it, it's noticeable. So whatever he didn't do, uh, you know, would, would not have been, would not have made or break, break in, broken the, the chant, you know, or any other parts. Now, he can actually sing, uh, but that was not really part of the, the deal. You know, I don't know if after a couple of gigs he decided to, you know, learn some of the vocal things that I do, you know, which is not, which is limited, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, he certainly can sing, but as far as the chant, uh, we hadn't really covered that. I think I had said specifically, don't, you know, that this is not a must do. Don't worry about it so much, but it is actually, the whole thing is written out. And, uh, you know, he, he had, he had a, uh, he had recordings of it and any changes that we made, I sent him a fresh recording. And uh, so he was absolutely up to speed on everything, but I, I don't think he did. I don't think he attempted the chant, but I, okay. I don't know. You know what? I could, list, I could <laughs> listen to the final show that he did and, and hear exactly how far along vocally he had come. <laughs> uh, he certainly would be capable. He, he would have been capable of it. it. It was written out. I guess the other thing I'm, I'm asking about is the, the choreography, I guess, for lack of a better term. You know, you guys are all doing these moves in unison. How do you teach somebody that? Is it is that written out as well? No, uh, you send them a video, so they can see it, 
uh, you know, of, uh, in Miles' case, uh, he saw a video of uh, of Steve, you know, doing the show. I think I think it was uh, just like a static shot, maybe of just Steve. So any interactions or you know, or or the choreography on the chant, uh, you know, he could see that, mm-hmm. and uh, he had been working on those parts uh, as well, and uh, you know, I, uh, I, Miles did great. I mean, he came in and, and really there was very little we had to you know go over twice with him. And, and what happens when a sub comes in is, uh, you know, the, the first time a sub comes in, you go through the whole show. You go through the, the show for that night, you know, in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next show, you go through any different songs. You don't have to go through the whole show, you know, unless there's a certain song you'd already done that you want to do again. But if you've already done a song the previous show and it's in that night's show, you don't necessarily have to do it. So it's a shorter sound check. You only have to go through you know, six or eight or ten songs maybe. Then the next night, there's even fewer songs that you haven't, you know, played yet. You know, you go through, you know, four or five or six songs. You know, and and there's a certain point, I think there was a point with Miles where by the last gig or two that he did, we didn't have to actually go through anything with him. We had already played everything uh, in there and he was already doing it correctly and, uh, you know, vocally and, and parts, you know, bass part-wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had a great time. He really was having a good time with us, and we had a good time with him because uh, it was fresh for him. You know, it was just he was really excited to be there. And, and not that any of us aren't, but, I mean, this was new new for him. And, and it was a little bit of a different attitude with him. You know, it, it was he was really excited to be doing it. And he did a great job, mm. you know. I mean, we wouldn't, none of us, hopefully, would bring in subs that couldn't do at least what we do. Right. I mean, you, know, right. you don't want to bring in someone who doesn't play as well. That doesn't make you look good. Uh, and it doesn't help the band. I mean, you got to have someone come in that can do exactly what you do, if not better. And, uh, and, and you know, and Nick was a, a fabulous drummer. I, you know, there's no question about him playing the parts. Uh, and Miles is a great bass player. There was no question of him about doing. But again, you got to sit down with the band and actually go through it. You can't just hear the songs on a recording and then walk in and do the show. Right. It's not right. not quite that not quite that simple. Now, how do you prepare somebody like Nick or Miles or anybody else who might be subbing in for the rotating cover song that's going to be different every night? Well, we know what songs. Uh, I mean, we knew a year in advance what songs we were playing uh, on which night, with very few changes, a couple of changes, but not much. Uh, it was pretty much, it was like 99%, you know, true to the set list that Al had made in November of 21. Uh, and most of the set list stayed the same, too, I, I might add. You know, a few of them are different, but, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part, uh, he had that all planned out and, and with very few changes. So, you know, rather than, and there were only about four, 40, 45 cover songs that we would be doing. So rather than tell someone, you know what, learn all these songs, it's like, you know what, if, if you need to come out, I can tell you what four or five songs you might be doing, and here are the recordings of them, because we have recordings of us doing all the songs. Uh, some of them from 2018, and there were some updates uh, that we made on this last tour, and so I provided uh, fresh recordings of songs that we'd made changes to. And, uh, and same with Miles, you know, he had recordings of the upcoming, you know, six or seven songs he would be doing because mm-hmm. we knew in advance what they were. Right. So again, rather than try and say, you know what, you got to learn 45 songs. It's like, you know what, I'll tell you when it's time and then you can learn four songs or five songs. 
and uh, you know, and you'll go through them that day. And they're probably songs that you know or have played. Right, that's true. Uh, you know, it's nothing, nothing terribly true, obscure. Right. You know, not not any themes to any podcasts <laughs> or uh, <laughs> you know, or a, or a semi-obscure you know song that Al had written when he was in college in, in San Luis Obispo. You know, slow town. I mean, well, nothing like that. Actually, but, Miles, uh, you know. no, Miles did do uh, "Take Me Down." Uh, he did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he had to. He had to learn that, but right, we had a right. recording of that, right? Because uh, we we had played that live before, so we we knew what we'd be doing, and it's not you know, it's, you know that was easy enough to work on. But he was able to work on that before the day we did it, because Steve told him what the upcoming uh, cover songs would be. Right. So that's that's how we did that. We just you know, uh, we just saved those until the time it was that they would be needed. And then it's like, oh yeah. And then there's these other four or five songs you'll be doing, and you know, if, even if you don't know them, here's recordings of us doing them live, and this is what you can expect. And you'll be going through them the day that you are going to do the songs, so it's not going to be total surprise. You know, we can't surprise the sub, and we can't surprise Al. <laughs> you know, we can't surprise the, the show. <laughs> you know, everyone's got to be on the same page and, and got to yep. have it rehearsed and and uh, yeah. you know 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 what everyone's doing. You know, it's not. It's not like if I sit in with a cover band and they're going to play Brown Eyed Girl, you know, I know what they're going to do. You know, I can do that without having to rehearse it. Uh, it's a little bit different with Al. That's a lot different with Al. <laughs> yeah, he, he has a, a way he wants it done, and you got to respect that. Right. And and even when Al is doing a familiar cover song, it's not always exactly the way the original was. I mean, sometimes it's exactly the way, and other times it's not. Uh, we did, I don't know, I don't think we did it on this tour, but in 2018 we did Honky Tonk Woman, like once. And we played it exactly like the record, because it's, there's a built-in arrangement, there's an ending, uh, you know, that's just how the song goes. You know, but there's other songs, you know, maybe there's a giant long solo in the middle of a song or something, and Al doesn't want to do that. You know, we don't want to, you know, play a six-minute cover song, you know. We'll, yeah cut down the solo and you know so there'll be an arrangement consideration there uh you know if a song fades out you have to create an ending for it you know you can't fade out live very successfully uh so you know it's al does have specific ways he wants stuff done and sometimes it's okay i specifically want it just like the record and we all know how that goes or i specifically want it you know this different than than you hear it on the record you know Uh, sometimes there's a key change which affects, you know, doesn't affect the drummer, but it affects the other guys, you know, who may be familiar with playing a song, you know, let's say Brown Eyed Girl, uh, you know, is in a certain key, and Al needs it in a different key because he doesn't sing that high or doesn't sing that low or whatever it is. Oh, God. And so when the guys do that, they have to, it's, they play their instruments differently. You know, you don't just, uh, I mean, technically, Ruben can can, uh, push a few buttons and, you know, transpose his keyboard so he can just play you know, all the same keys and suddenly it's in a different key. You know, he doesn't actually have to play it differently. But on a bass or a guitar or on the accordion, mm-hmm. uh, you do have to actually play different notes. And uh, so there's, you know, mm. stuff like that needs to be gone through. And that's why we would work on those things the afternoon of the show. You know, even, and on this on this last tour, some of the songs got played, you know, two, several of them were played three times. You know, by the time we would get to the third time around, we would, we would always play it, you know, as a refresher, but... We didn't ever really have to work on it. Sometimes we'd play it, you know, one time through and just look at each other and go, yeah, sounds great. And that'd be it. You know, sound check would be like five or ten minutes. And, okay, that's it. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay. Oh, cool. Oh, thanks. The one cover song that 
I know Dave and I and a, a lot of other fans were discussing a lot, trying to understand why it was changed. Um, was eight six seven five three zero nine? Do you know why Al changed the the numbers? Do you know what those numbers were that he changed it to? Do you have any insights you can share? Oh, oh, you know Al. Uh, <laughs> I uh, no, he he. Uh, God, I I uh, he just thought it would be funny to change that up. I mean, it became it became five two zero four one eight nine, and and just because he wanted to just change it up. You know, just because everyone knows is so familiar with the other number that that she had to change her number, and now the number is is five two zero four one eight nine. You know, it's because this lyric is Jenny, don't change your number, and he and he changed it to Jenny, you changed your number or something like that, and then he's made up this other new number, but it doesn't really have any significance. Is that just what you are supposed to say, or is that the real answer? <laughs> I well, he didn't run it by me, but I believe that's what was okay. What was, okay. <laughs> Why it, does 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 the number mean something? I I'm not aware that the number means anything. That's what I'm trying to find out. <laughs> That's the big mystery. We, we've not been able to. Well, I mean, eight six seven, you know, sort of rhythmically goes with five two zero, and I guess you could pick, you know, several other numbers. You know, five three zero nine, you know, four one eight nine. I mean, you can you know, you have to pick numbers that have one syllable, as you know. But eight six seven seven has two syllables, so he had to use a zero. Because that's got two syllables, actually. <laughs> that's that's the only number that's got two syllables, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and zero. Seven and zero. So those became interchangeable. I don't. Th- I'm not aware that the number means anything. Okay. It's it wasn't like chemo's number or something. <laughs> that was. Oh no, no. That's been that's that's been done. <laughs> That's been done. That was a recording for phony calls. Yeah. (laughs) That was, that was his uh, seven digit phone number. (laughs) And, uh, I think he, he, I don't think that was his number. Uh, you know, I, that might've been his number at that time. I know he had moved at some point, but I think that was 1996. I think that may have still been his phone number (laughs) at the time, but I don't know that anybody would have tried to dial it. They probably just thought they were random numbers because it just it sounded that way. <laughs> right. But those were actually the tones for his number. I don't remember what the number was, but but uh, that was his. <laughs> yeah, this number. No, I don't think this number means anything. Okay. <laughs> now, were there any cover songs that stood out to you that you really were looking forward to doing? I know at least you did at least one Beatles cover song. I'm sure maybe there might have been others. Uh, I, most of them, all of them, I guess. You know, I mean, it's 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 fun to do something out of the norm. I mean, we're already doing a different show every night. You know, a different selection of songs, but you know, it doesn't take long before you are repeating the same, you know, 37, 38 songs. And after a couple of weeks, you've gone through each one, you know, at least once. Sometimes, you know, seven or eight times. Uh, with the cover songs, you know, they come up a lot less frequently. Uh, I mean, it was actually really cool in 2018 to have done 77 different ones. Uh, that would have been a lot of work to, yeah, to uh, you know, do that right. many this time. And and Al thought, you know, we'll just, you know, we'll change a few out and we'll just we'll narrow it down and we'll do them each like three times. Mm-hmm. And that that'll be you know, because otherwise it became like a lot of work, you know, because you know how Al is. He wants to do things. He wants it to sound like. You know the record. I mean, he wants he wants to be perfect. It's either that, or if we can't sound like the record, then we have to sound like a bar band. You know, it's one or the other. You can't do it halfway. It's got to either be right or it's got to be, you know, 
a half-assed attempt. You know, it, it can't be anywhere in the middle. It's got to be, you know, <laughs> you know. We obviously we obviously can't make it sound like the record, so we're not even going to try. It's going to be a completely different thing. Uh, but uh, no, I I looked forward to, uh, to to all of them. I mean, I I enjoyed each of them. You know, I I I liked them all. I mean, I had helped. Uh, pick several of those, in fact, left over from uh, oh, yeah. the 2018 tour. Uh, I, I suggested a bunch of those songs. So, you know, some of them were, were particularly fun for me, like Blister in the Sun was uh, one of my suggestions. Oh, cool. And that was from, that's a, a oh, song cool. that one of my bands does, uh, you know, one of my regular uh, cover bands that's in the repertoire. Uh, you know, se- several songs. We had on the uh, 2018 tour done uh, Vertigo. Uh, by U2, because that's one of the songs that that uh, I had played in this other band, and I didn't suggest them just because. Well, I'll you know if I get a bunch of songs in there, I already know the parts. I don't have to work as hard. I just I thought I thought you know what if 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 uh, you know the people that this this other band plays for if they like the songs, you know, then Al's audience would probably like them too. I mean, they're just good right. songs. You know, they're they're hit songs. Uh, so, and obviously, you know, none of them would have got by Al if he didn't actually want to do them, too. Mm-hmm. But a lot of them were my suggestions. And uh, so, I mean, you know, a lot of them I, I did look forward to playing. I, I look forward to playing all of them. I mean, I just, I enjoyed it. It was a nice change of pace. Uh, you know, it was it was really cool to do something completely different, you know, and, and uh, you know, and to see the audience react because they never knew what we were going to do. And, right. and to see the audience react to us playing like a straight song which we don't really do. Right. Well, there's another fun moment in the set list that I want to ask you about, and that is uh, the origin of your drum solo called My Drum Solo. How did that come about? Oh, boy. You know, I think... I, I don't... I don't remember how that started. <laughs> but I, I think I, I think I did that on the 2018 tour uh, for the first time and, and thought that that was... Uh, I think Al thought that was pretty funny, <laughs> and uh, so I just I didn't want to do it every time, uh, but I, I don't remember I don't remember exactly when I did that. I suppose I could go back and listen to every stinking single recording <laughs> because every one of those shows was recorded. I'm sure I can pinpoint the very first time I did that, but I don't I don't remember the origin other than that you know my. Bologna, my Sharona, my drum solo, you know, sort of popped into my head at some point. And I thought, oh, you know, I'll just just have some fun with it. And the first time I did it, it got a really good reaction. So I thought, ah, I'm, I'm onto something here. So, you know, I, I got to do that almost every night on this last tour because I would almost always get two drum solos. And uh, if I didn't, I, I, I don't think I ever tried to do it first. Uh, I always knew, because sometimes... The drum solo was planned, and I didn't know where it was going to come, but it was it was planned. It was like you know Al knew where it was going to be, but I didn't. And <laughs> he also knew he also knew, which is not always important if I know, but uh, he also you know knew if there was going to be another one. And again, I didn't. But there were also times where maybe there was one, and there were other times where you know Jim was had to tune his guitar or something, and in order to avoid dead air, all of a sudden there was another drum solo that was. You know, a surprise to both of us. So I quickly learned that there could be up to two drum solos, sometimes three. Yeah. I think he. I think he eventually cut it down to two. But uh, I, I learned not to give away the my drum solo. You know, right up front. I would just do the right. old stupid solo. Uh, 
and and uh, you know which is which is a hit which every, you know everyone <laughs> likes and expects and it and is literally a one, hit <laughs> literally, literally it's, a, it's a drum solo you know and and then if i was lucky enough to get another solo which was about like nine out of ten times i would get a second solo then i would give them the uh the uh you know my drum solo and there were a few times you know and i'd already given that out and then and then there'd be times where he'd ask for another one you know like there'd be a situation that came up and there was dead air and he would ask for you know jim needed more time to tune or whatever and he would be forced to ask for another solo now i'm forced to think of well i only have two solos and i've done them both what am i going to do and so i just do another thing where i do sort of a crescendo on the snare and then uh, and then that's it which again which is as stupid as just hitting it one time although it lasts a little bit longer so <laughs> so that's it but yeah the origin of uh, I mean, I can tell you the origin of the stupid solo uh, for all of us, really. You know, back in the early days, we used to, uh, you know, it'd be time, you know, bass solo or, you know, guitar solo or whatever. And we would all play like some really cool thing on our instrument. You know, as, you know, I would do like some fancy, you know, flourishes or something, you know, for, you know, about 10 or 15 seconds, you know, or Steve would do something, you know, whatever it was. And, you know, the audience was like, you know, yay. And we quickly learned that, and this was on the on the stupid tour. Everything was stupid, stupid band, stupid bus, stupid tour. And in 1985, that that if we did something stupid, that that was like even funnier. And that's where, you know, I used to do like I used to just hit every drum one time, and then that was it. That was my whole solo. And then it got down to just like, well, that's that's too busy. I'll just I'll just hit one drum. And then that became, you know, the, that became the the stupid solo for you know, most of the rest of my career. So that's that's how that's how the stupid one came about. But the my drum solo, I don't know. I just I, one day I did it and and sang that at the end, and it was, it was a hit. So there you go. Love it. Now I'm looking at the uh, the official the song tracker that our buddy Brad Hebert runs and. Dave and I were at this show where you did the tale of Little Suckathumb, but it's it's only showing up on his as only playing one time. Was that just the one show this tour? I I vaguely remember doing it at all. Uh, that's one of those things Al can call on me to do that, like just out of the blue, and I, I, it's just it's in it's in my it's in my brain, it's in my head, you know. And I can I can just on no notice just rattle it off. Uh, I I guess I did it once. Uh, I, I don't remember. I mean, Brad's done a great job with the tracker. Uh, there's been some times I went in there and made a correction or two. I mean, I, I look at it too. Uh, I try not to make that my personal, you know, list of what we do, but I do, you know, I, I think it, it should be as accurate as possible. So there's things, or, you know, or if we play somewhere and there was nobody there who could log the songs, mm -hmm. then then there's no songs for that date. So I will go, and after a few days go by and it's like, obviously nobody came forward, I'll go ahead and fill those in. Now, Unfortunately, I don't always remember, you know, who got solos that night. I mean, it's a safe bet I got solos, but I don't remember all of the different things right, that happened. Right. So those are sort of, you know, I mean, you can you can rely on the song lists as far as all the extra little bits. Uh, I wouldn't, I, I, you know, that's probably about 99% accurate, but I, you know, I wouldn't swear to any of that. Uh, the cover songs are all accurate as far as I could see, but I, I made sure I would go in there and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, signed on so I can I can make changes to that yeah, uh, that's so cool 
so but as far as how many times I did uh, suck a thumb I don't know if I only just did it once I, it didn't happen very often that's for sure I mean if I did it twice that's probably mm-hmm. the most that it happened and and that would have to be you know since that takes up some time that would have to be like there would have to be like an emergency right. or something <laughs> happening that, you know and I don't I don't remember uh, what would have happened that would have forced him to to make me take like a minute you know to do something but uh that's that's when that comes up as if al needs to buy some time right you know and you know more more than just you know 10 seconds for a drum solo for example yeah uh but you know i i guess once you know maybe maybe twice i don't know but i never know i never know when that's coming up right (laughs) but it's okay because again he can call it and i can immediately just do it (laughs) <laughs> that's just that's something I learned when I was like 13. A friend of mine had a book of of uh, called uh, something Struhl Peter, which was like a German or a Dutch book or something like, and it means like slovenly Peter, like this like this uh, you know little boy who's who's uh, you know just you know like like a mess, just like a bad boy, I guess. And one of the songs in there, one of the the poems in there was about this kid that you know sucks his thumb you know and, and uh so it's just you know i guess they're they're supposed to be stories to tell kids to not suck their thumb or to not slide down the the uh banister of the stairs <laughs> you know there was a whole story about that you know something about johnny slider legs was the story about that but anyway so it was an english <laughs> translation of of all of these of slovenly peter and so this this one story you know like i would like my friends and i would do with albums you know, we would memorize like entire albums, and we had just we had memorized, you know, this this poem, you know, and and it's just it's just in me, it's just stayed in me all these years, and uh, I could do it right now if you want, but it's you know it's not really <laughs> we're not having technical difficulties, so that's okay. <laughs> but, so I'll, I'll I'll spare you, but uh, yeah, honestly, it uh, may, maybe maybe I did that twice on the tour. Not sure. That's funny. <laughs> well, now you said that Little Suck a Thumb is from a, a German children's book, and you will be playing Germany oh, next year, so maybe you'll yeah. get called uh, the new Little Suck a Thumb while you're in Germany. Yeah, yeah, das ist wahr. Um, <laughs> I, uh, that would only work if I could do it in German. Well, you got, you got, well, three, you got uh, three months, I really. I, I believe in you. <laughs> oh, boy. I, uh, no, you know what? No, that's not, um, no. No, I, I, I hope not. I think not. Probably not. You know, again, there's that language barrier thing I talked about earlier. I'm, I'm not sure they would. Uh, they would quite. Although, you know, I don't know. I mean, that you know, in, in every country, in every other non-English speaking country, you know, the, the 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 last generation or two have come up and they've learned English pretty well. You know, 40 years ago it would have been a little difficult. You know, now the the, the last generation or two yeah. they're they're learning English along with their native language. And they're doing pretty good. I mean, that's the case in Japan, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know a lot of the Asian countries, and and uh, and I would assume in the European countries. I mean, I know that's been the case in in uh, uh, Sweden and Norway, and and uh, you know we didn't have any language barrier issues at all. Everyone spoke English with us, and and spoke well. I mean, they, they you know obviously had learned it well, and. Uh, in fact, we we had more of a problem understanding people like in Ireland because of the accent. Right, <laughs> it was, was a, a barrier to understanding what they were saying. It's like they had to listen really carefully. Whereas in other countries where they had to learn English, they learned it very properly and and you know, uh, you know, phonetically correctly. You know, you know, very kind of unaffected. 
you know, if anything, maybe they would have learned it with a slight English accent, uh, you know, if, if they'd spent any time in the UK. But anyway, it was, yeah, it was interesting. You know, everyone spoke English with us just fine, except in, in Ireland, we just, it was really difficult to understand. In England, a little bit. Not, <laughs> it's not quite as yeah. affected as, uh, and we'll be back. We're starting the European tour in, in Dublin, so we're going to have uh, a chance to test our listening skills again there. <laughs> yep. I want to ask you about another little fun thing that happens in the concert and Ethan and I would always listen to this whenever this song was played and this happens in the song Melanie there is a little meow that you trigger you tell us about that oh oh meow like that yeah um, we love that. that you know what that <laughs> I, I love that too I, you know I wonder if it's not getting a little too old um uh, I can tell you I can tell you where that came from. That was uh, that was Tommy Davidson from the old uh, In Living Color. Oh, and uh, and oh, that was okay. that was I have a recording of him from uh, doing a stand-up at Just for Laughs in nineteen ninety, I believe it was ninety ninety or ninety one in Tur- in Montreal actually. And I have a recording, and I don't know if it was a video or if I had somehow recorded it or, or what it was, but he was doing a thing on there, and he did, like, this cat scream. And that's actually Tommy doing, doing uh, you know, wow! And, and I thought that was that was sufficiently, you know, outrageous and, and, you know, bombastic. And, you know, if he gave your cat a mohawk, that's what it would sound right. like. You know, that, that, would be a, that would be its reaction. So, yeah, that's a human... That's Tommy Davidson. I never, I never thanked him or paid him for that. So Tommy, if you're listening, thank you. <laughs> if Tommy agrees to come on the podcast and talk about that meow, uh, I will put forward five dollars. So here you go, Tommy. It's... Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, he'll probably he'll probably deny it, but. You know. <laughs> Oh, that's incredible. Uh, well, you're getting all sorts of little little secrets out of me today. Yeah. I should I should write a book. I should write another book. I should make it. No book. picture no pictures, just secrets. Just tour secrets. That'd be great. Behind the scenes with John Bermuda Schwartz. I would love that. No, that would be I I, I I doubt if I would get Al's permission for that. <laughs> Since we're Diving deep into all the little tour secrets, there was a, at the end of the tour, usually you would go off stage for the song, You Don't Love Me Anymore, but I did notice that a couple times you remained on stage at your drum set. Uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit about, about that. Uh, yeah. That, that, wasn't, that wasn't planned. Actually, uh, yeah, that, that wasn't... I was just kind of screwing with Al. Uh, yeah. Well, he had, he had uh, you know, Steve would get up and, you know, Al would say something about Steve. And then Al would turn around and look at me. He says, you, you're going to stay there? And I would kind of, you know, I would first I would like nod my head. Then I would go, oh, no, 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 no. And I would get up. That would be like my invitation to leave. <laughs> and one night, and I, and, I, and I would wait for that, you know, and then one night he didn't ask. He didn't turn around, and I thought, well, I'll, I'll just sit here. And and then I thought, well, I'll 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 do some shtick. Well, you know, so, you know, in, in the little in the little breaks between the verses, between the chorus and the verse, uh, 
you know, when Al used to do the, the song and he would have a, a guitar and he would like swing it around and get ready to play it. And then, you know, he didn't actually play it and they'd <laughs> swing it back around and, and keep singing. Uh, well, I thought, well, I'll just, I'll pretend I'm going to do something on the, on the drums or the cymbals or something, you know, because I'm, I'm sort of in the light. I mean, people can see me, you know, especially if I move my arms up and I do something, you know, that brings a little attention over. And I, I noticed that, that Al was, would look back to see what I was up to during during the, the little breaks between the the vocals, and and I'm you know I'm getting ready to look like I'm hitting something, then like then I don't, you know, then I, I pull back. Anyway, we did that a few times, and that had run its course, and then that was. The end. So. I'm glad that we got to experience those. That was really funny. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that happened about three times, and then that was that was uh, kind of it. Yeah, along those lines, are there, I'm certainly being out on the road for six months, this has to have come up. Are there pranks that you play on other members in the band or, or Al or that Al plays on on you guys or that is played between anybody in the band or crew? Are there, there pranks that go on during these six months out on tour? No, that would have been a good idea, though. That would have... <laughs> that would have broken the tension. No, uh, no, no, no. I don't. I don't think so. No, you know. That, I don't think that's that's rarely the case. I mean, no. That's I, I don't. I don't recall anything. Uh, I mean, I not not really on stage anyway. No, I don't. I don't think anything. I don't think there was anything. Six months is a long time. I'm trying to think back to. <laughs> At, w- at what point we would have got into the prank stage? <laughs> I think whenever that was, we were we got into the oh, there's only you know four or six weeks left to go. You know we're on, we're you know we'll be home soon and, and you know we can relax and you know, you know we're we're ready to ready to stop doing this for a little while. I mean we all like what we do, we love what we do, but there's there's a limit to it. You got to have a little bit of break, and and as I said, there's a lot of logistics involved, uh, not the least of which is you know, moving in and out of five to six hotels a week, mm-hmm. uh, as a rule. And, uh, sure, yeah. you know, and, and it's, uh, and it gets, it's, it's tiring. It's, it's gets very tiring. So this was a whole new thing for us. Uh, the, this length, you know, without any breaks. I mean, technically I had five days off, uh, <laughs> and Al, and you know, we all, we all had like five days off when Al tested. We all, we all just kind of sat waiting for him to test negative again. Uh, so we, Early on in the tour, you know, less than a month into the tour, we had a, a, almost a week off. But again, that was not the plan. And that was so early in the tour, that wasn't really like a useful break. That would have been great if that had happened in August, like mine, like my little break. But uh, now this this was uh, nothing, no no gags or pranks or, you know, it was, it was everyone was pretty, pretty straight ahead on this one. I, I just have one last thing on the tour, and this is kind of rolling back a little bit. You, you gave us a really great explanation on the coverage plan for when a, a band member was out. Was there any kind of plan for if Emo had tested positive, or was it just going to be, well, I guess there's no opener tonight? No, 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 no. We were going to have, because it's so similar, we were going to have Chemo open. <laughs> and, and, just, and just change the marquee, just put a K up. Uh, Instead of emo, it's chemo, and uh, you know, have him come out and, and and he would talk about his songs. I was in Hawaii and I wrote a song about 
fucking poi. And it goes like this. And, uh, hey, I... I could, I could go out there. You and do could, yeah, minutes. you could. I know, I know, I know both. I know both of his jokes. I know the slinky joke and the pourquoi. That's that's, uh, uh, that's that's half the you know. And if you stretch them out long enough, right. you, know, you only need about five jokes for thirty minutes. I mean, his timing is really good. And he, you know, he stretches, he stretches it out, and then. It takes about four or five seconds for the audience to catch up, and then you know, I mean, each each joke takes like like a minute or more. I mean, you know, you can really don't you know you don't have to know much. He he's got he's got a lot of stuff that he does. He's got a lot of different routines. So I don't I don't want to say that he's got a dozen jokes and that's all you hear, but he's uh, uh that but that was the plan was to have Jim come out and and just and play oh play cool guitar. <laughs> oh wow. That, that's a yeah I, I guess i hadn't considered that it's a it's a great idea that would have been fun and i mean i, I think that would have been a good uh substitute yeah. for the audience because they they know jim yep you know uh i mean you know it might have been okay if we didn't have an opener at all but i mean you know then you know al just wants to he wants to have something to lead up to our portion of the show plus we're not doing two-hour shows anymore you know we're doing you know like 100 minute show you know a little less than two hours and and he wants a little added value mm-hmm. uh, for that, so he wants that extra thirty minutes of something going on before we go on. Uh, so yeah, that that was the plan was for the gym to go out and play. Uh, never happened. Emo was extremely careful on tour, uh, slightly more careful than I apparently. <laughs> uh, but emo emo was very very careful. You know, Steve was uh, was was not a hundred percent, but he was pretty careful. Uh, and he didn't test positive at all, so I I don't know. You know, I guess I don't know how I did. I mean, I I was extremely careful, mm-hmm. and uh, well, as you guys can attest, I mean, I I rarely saw you. If I saw you at all, I waved from a distance. Yeah, uh, right. You know, I I didn't see like anybody on this tour, and uh, but yeah, emo chemo, same thing. <laughs> well, Bermuda, before we. Uh, officially let you go i have to ask you about this incredible box set for lights camera accordion i know we talked about it a little bit a few months ago before it came out but now actually like having it in my hands and getting to appreciate it you know how incredible it is i I would love to hear about that and what what sort of reactions you've heard but the first question i have is i remember when the first box set came out back for black and white and weird all over the certificate of authenticity number 27 was reserved for al was that the same case this time uh yeah which means I don't get paid for that book. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Al got number twenty-seven. You know, I, 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 you know, he. I, I'm sure he appreciates it. You know, I'm sure he appreciated getting that. Uh, so he got number twenty-seven on on both boxes. Uh, they did a really nice job on this box. They added some extra stuff. Plus, it was in color and managed to charge only four dollars more for it. I mean, it's a pretty good deal. It's incredible uh, for what it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Very happy with the way that turned out. The uh, the postcards and the nine by twelve prints turned out really nice. The uh, that little film strip with the uh, uh, frames from the Bob video. Yep. Uh, was was pretty fun. Uh, that's sort of. I I wasn't sure how that was going to be handled. I mean, I know who who did that. I submitted the photos uh, for that. There's a company that does those, and. I didn't know it was going to be laminated, and which is actually a good idea because yeah. it could get pretty beat up otherwise. Yeah. But it's it's basically it's it's meant to be like a bookmark. 
Yeah, I, so, I think it's know, that, wonderful. That's sort of a cool thing. I love that. Oh, thanks. But, but the other cool thing was the uh, two extra sheets in there, the set list and then the itinerary for our very first tour were also kind right. of fun. Uh, the, uh, the, the set list, and, and there's a description on the back of the sheets as to what those are, that's uh, from our uh, legendary opening for Missing Persons show, April 9th, 1981. I'm sorry, 1982. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, uh, I had to explain what some of the songs on there were. And I realized after I had done that, and after you know, the box was out there, and I looked at the sheet again, it's like, oh, I didn't explain what bottle is and what stupid is. And, you know, there's some other things I, I neglected to explain. You know, I just explained that, that uh, Polka's on 45 was different than what was on the album and what was in the food medley. I thought those deserved to be, mm -hmm. you know, a, a little explanation. But it occurred to me I could have gone on, you know, ink is cheap. I certainly could have added an extra <laughs> paragraph. <laughs> and, and then uh, on, on, the, uh, on, on the itinerary, uh, it was actually like the cover page for our very first itinerary. It was cool to go in and find out how many of those places are still open. Like more than half of them are still open and, and hosting live music. Uh, which is pretty amazing, you know, 39 years later. Yeah. Uh, you know, and considering some of these were like basically just clubs, uh, you know, that's that's unusual for a club to be around that long. Uh, right. You know, well, so some of them weren't. Almost half of them didn't make it. But uh, it was sort of cool to know that, that several of them were still around. And uh, also got to talk a little bit. I think I mentioned that, uh, you know, we, we had driven... Uh, you know, Al wasn't old enough to be insured for a rental car yet, so we all shared in the driving, and uh, <laughs> wow. inclu including including Doctor Demento. I mean, and, you know, he was basically the star. This first tour was, you know, we were the musical guests of his tour. Right. It wasn't really even our tour, and yeah. and you know, he he drove. You know, we all we all pitched in, and uh, it was pretty cool. It was fun. We went to I, you know, several of us probably went to Canada for the first time. Not Jim, he was born there, but, uh, you know, that, you know, we, we, we go through customs and they go, oh, welcome back, eh? Uh, anyway, the, uh, you know, that, that was a fun tour in that, in that respect. And, uh, you know, we, we moved all our own gear. We were at the mercy of whatever person was doing the sound at that venue. Uh, but again, we didn't have, you know, this was mostly Dr. Demento's show. He controlled, you know, he would give them a feed of his audio and a mic, and, and that was it. And they would just put that through the PA. And for us, it was just a band. We weren't really, um, I think we we might have run the Ricky video, but that would have been run through Barry's, you know, through Dr. Demento's uh, system. Uh, mm -hmm. But we were just a band, so that was simple enough to mic up. And and that was it. You know, there, there, there wasn't a whole lot to it. But uh, a fun tour, and... Uh, that appears on uh, Jay Levy, still Al's manager, uh, on his letterhead of the day from Imaginary Entertainment. And, uh, and it was interesting because I, I had sent him a box set as well. And he, uh, he said, oh, I, didn't, I didn't have like any of my old stationery. You know, this is really cool to have this, you know, <laughs> this uh, re reproduction oh, of the cool. stationery. So that, that was, I mean, we got like the same color as his original uh, stationery was. But anyway, that was, you know, there's there's some nice extras in this in this box and I think they did a really nice job on it. Yeah. And uh and and for only a few dollars more. So for all this extra stuff, 
Uh, it's coming out of someone's pocket. Oh, it's coming out of my pocket. That's right. I'm making less on each one. I, that's that's okay. That's it. I I did this for love, not not for the money. Well, I I, I get a few bucks. But, no, I did this. This was this was a really a, a fun. But like, the first one was a lot of fun. I mean, it was so cool to to have this. You know, to to help put it all together and to supply all the source material and to write text for it. I mean, I, I've never really written stuff. You know, that was meant to be read by anybody. So it was kind of cool. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a neat process. It was a lot of fun for me. So I really enjoyed that. And I'm very proud to be a twice-published author. Uh, it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's incredible. And uh, anyone who is interested in, uh, for some reason, if they do not have uh, <laughs> Lights, Camera, Accordion yet, I think there's still a, a couple copies of Lights, Camera, Accordion in the box set. But right now on 1984publishing.com, the r- regular edition of the book actually comes with a signed book plate. So if someone missed out at um, <laughs> at Carnegie Hall and is really bummed they didn't get a signed copy, well, they still have a chance. Uh, 1984publishing.com. And um, Bermuda, it's, it's it's so great to get to chat with you and, and hear about the tour and, and, and talking about being in... Uh, being a character in a movie and and uh, the new book, um, we're really excited for you guys to have your uh, world tour in a couple months. Oh well, cool. Well, thank you so much. Uh, thank you f- so much for having me back. Uh, should I turn on the recorder and we'll start this thing? Anytime you're ready. <laughs> it's a good rehearsal. <laughs> All right. Hi. Good to be here. Sorry. <laughs> Well, th- thanks again for having me back. I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much, John Bermuda Schwartz, for joining us yet again on the podcast. It is always such a thrill to get to talk to you. If for some gosh forsaken reason you haven't already, be sure to pick up his brand new, pretty sick and majestic book, Lights, Camera, Accordion, eye-popping photographs of Weird Al Yankovic, 1981 through 2006, on Amazon or wherever fine books are sold. You will not regret it. And do not worry, you can still pick up one of those pretty stinking majestic box sets over at 1984publishing.com. This episode is brought to you in part by Discover Darwin, promoting tourism in Darwin, Minnesota. Not only is historic Darwin, Minnesota beautiful, it's also... Ooh, we need to interrupt you right there, Ethan, because you know what that sound means. That means that we have a message on our 347 Spatula Hotline, the official hotline of David Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al podcast. All right. Well, intern Frank, let's hear it. You are receiving a collect call from Darwin Municipal Jail. To accept, press 2. To decline, press 7. Dave? Ethan? I've been locked up ever since part one of the interview with John Bermuda Schwartz for my horrendous crime. I have been charged with second degree, hugging the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota, a honor only bestowed upon Weird Al Yankovic. My sentencing includes that I am now financially responsible for all of the wooden nickels for Discover Darwin, and so that's that's going to put me back years. I also have to uh, have to get DiscoverDarwin.biz back up and running. Uh, but I do need you to help post my bail 
Can I borrow five bucks? Wait, is that real? Probably not, but maybe. Anyway, anonymous caller, if that is your real name, we appreciate that you used your one and only phone call to reach out to us on our official 347 spatula hotline, but we here at Dave Ethan's 2008 Weird Out Podcast absolutely, under no circumstances, can support hooliganism in any way when it comes to the twine ball. And besides, we just spent our last five bucks exporting corn nuts from Santa Barbara to cater Dave's quinceanera. Well, at least something good came out of this unfortunate situation. It appears that DiscoverDarwin.biz is back up in... Oh, no, wait, it's not. Never mind. So here's your last free day before incarceration in Darwin, Minnesota. Discover Darwin, more than just the twine ball. And after you visit Darwin, Minnesota, be sure to attempt to visit discoverdarwin.biz, just in case. This is a special hamster alert to the Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast broadcast alert system sponsored by Jack Bateman. As we all know, Spider-Man gained his superpowers after being bitten by a radioactive spider. And one of those powers is the ability to stick to walls. As one hamster named Smurf from Bug Broke in 2012 found out, there are other ways to gain superpowers. In a bizarre twist of fate, after Smurf the hamster chewed on a Spider-Man toy, she gained the ability to stick to walls? Well, in a sense at least. Smurf chewed off and stuffed a magnet from the toy in her mouth, causing her cheek to get stuck to the bars of the metal cage. The Meech family found Smurf dangling five inches up from the bottom of her cage, and luckily, she was a-okay. So please let that be a lesson to you. Only get bitten by spiders. Do not bite Spider-Man. That is all for this episode's very important special hamster alert via the Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast broadcast alert system. Dave and Ethan's 2008 Weird Al podcast is brought to you absolutely free thanks to our incredible sponsors Burrito Burrito, Jackson Scoggins, Discover Darwin, and Jack Bateman. Our podcast is also supported by everyone else in our Patreon family with special thanks to our amazing close personal friend level Patreon supporters Blair, Kev, Javier, Scott, UH Jeff, Nancy, NES Josh 64. Mike, Matthew, Kenneth, Gus and Alicia, Allison, Adriana, Ajax, Jake, Zeb, Zach, and Dana B. Also thanks to Brad and everyone else in our pretty stinking majestic Patreon family. If you enjoy our Weird Al podcast, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash 2000inch. There are awesome benefits like getting your name on the podcast, your own private RSS feed, and access to secret episodes. And now would be a good time to join if you have not already, because not only will you be the first to hear our remaining The Unfortunate Return of the Ridiculously Self-Indulgent Ill-Advised Vanity Tour concert review bonus episodes of 2022, you will also be the first to hear our brand new We're the Al Yankovic Story Insider bonus episode series. And don't forget to check out our official merchandise over at shop.2000inch.com. All proceeds from purchases go directly towards supporting this fine podcast. With the new year upon us, this is not only an opportunity to replace the batteries in your smoke alarms, but also to replace those nasty throw pillows on your couch. Shop.2000inch.com 
offers four different indoor pillow options to suit your decorating needs, including a 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast logo pillow and the ever-popular Gil and Chillo. We love hearing from our listeners and other Weird Al fans, so be sure to join our Facebook community at group.2000inch.com and visit our Discord server for even more riveting Weird Al and Red Rump to Goody-related conversations. You can find both of them linked on our website, as well as information about past episodes and guests over at weirdalpodcast.com or 2000inch.com. And while you're there, click on Ridiculously Self-Indulgent bonus episodes to follow along with our adventures on tour, or Black and White and Weird All Over bonus episodes for our special series where author John Bermuda Schwartz walks us through his first book, page by page and picture by picture. Keep up on new episodes, podcast news, and events by following at 2000inch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And thank you for subscribing and leaving reviews on your favorite podcast app. Make sure you are subscribed because not only does it help the podcast, it's also quite soothing like the unmistakable sounds of the ukulele. Plus, we absolutely love it when we receive voicemail via our official patent-pending 27-hour-a-day podcast hotline, 347 Spatula. Give it a call. It's a real number, 347-772-8852. You might even hear your message in a future episode. Thank you once again to our epic guest, John Bermuda Schwartz. We also want to thank Chris Show, Eddie Ibarra, Jackson Scoggins, and Catherine Bellia. Thank you to the Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West for incredible podcast theme song, and thank you to Weird Al Yankovic, as this podcast probably would not exist without him. And a big thanks to all of you, our loyal listeners, subscribers, Patreon supporters and sponsors, and everyone else who makes our podcast possible. Thank you for choosing Dave and Ethan's 2000's Weird Al Podcast, and until we meet again, remember to gill and chill. Well, Dave, the American New Year is upon us. So, do you have any resolutions for 2023? Yes, this year I've decided that I want to break a record. Whoa! That's such a great way to challenge yourself, Dave. I'm so proud of you. Have you given any thought to which record you'd like to break? Yes, I think I've made my decision. Oh, no, no, let me guess, let me guess. The longest time spent bouncing on a bouncy castle. No, 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 most toothpicks stuck into your uvula. No, 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 most chainsaws juggled while yodeling underwater in the nude. No, 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 nothing like that. I was thinking I'd break a Yoko Ono record. And done. That was David Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al Podcast, episode 183-inch. Already smashing our New Year's resolution. So, Tommy, if you're listening, thank you. Meow.